Saint Rose of Lima once said, we must not fail to help our neighbors because in them we serve Jesus. Welcome to the 98th episode of Saint Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. I love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want all of us to think about someone we could reach out to in an effort to help them feel supported and cared for, and then to take the time to actually do it. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. We are all well aware of the mental health impact COVID has had on our world, our relationships, and especially our children. I saw a cool story that I wanted to highlight with this in mind, and ABC News gives us the background. Being college students at the University of Alabama at Birmingham in March and April of 2020, Alice, Megan, and Tyler noticed a huge gap in communication between students and the kind of counseling services that were being offered. Everything was unprecedented, and no one really knew how the isolation would affect us, uh, Alice Kim told ABC News. I saw that there was a need for mental health support. Over the summer, the students said they asked themselves how they could help. I could sense that a lot of students were struggling with quarantine and isolation, and it was taking a huge toll on their mental health, Kim added. Since all three of them are a part of the Student Counseling Services Student Advisory Board, they reached out to the Student Counseling Services Director, Dr. Angela Stowe. Their conversations led to the development of the Be Well app. Numerous focus groups, discussions across campus occurred to get input about features students wanted, and that is what informed the features that are now part of the app, Stowe told ABC News. There are future developments already in progress, including enhancing notifications and providing in-app access to relaxation video and audio exercises, yoga, and mindfulness exercises, and Be Well is now available to all UAB students and faculty. So back to me. This is just so cool. A mental health wellness app developed by students for students available for everyone at the university and I just think it's so wonderful that they worked hard to put this together for their peers. According to the App Store site, students at the University of Alabama at Birmingham can use the Be Well app to create a personalized self-care plan that builds good habits in sleep, movement, nutrition, routine, and resiliency. The habit checklist and wellness journal visible only to you help you meet your goals and track your journey to better self-care and mental health. In addition, self-help tools in the app uh, put mental health services, mindfulness resources, and campus mental health recreation events at your fingertips. Crisis help is also available. Build your plan today to help reach your mental health and wellness goals. So here's to hoping that uh, we see more student-led initiatives to get wellness tools in front of our children and that the adults running schools support the efforts 100%. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm going to introduce you to St. Rose of Viterbo. (laughs) 
Born in 1233 in the Papal States, Rose had poor and pious parents who instilled in her a great desire to pray and help the poor. Rose was nine years old when she was visited by the Virgin Mary and instructed to become a third order Franciscan and preach around her hometown. So she walked around the streets in her habit, holding a crucifix and encouraging others to run away from their sins. She lived a life of prayer, penance, and solitude in her family home, and her mission of encouraging and preaching lasted about two years. When she was just 12, she walked through the streets protesting the occupation of her hometown by the Holy Roman Emperor, which led to her family being exiled. Thankfully, the Pope's side of the conflict came out on top, and the family was allowed to return. In 1250, Rose predicted the death of the Emperor, which came true just eight days later, and a nearby town uh, was being uh, afflicted by a sorceress this one time. They called Rose, who came and stood in flames of burning pyre for three hours to show her holiness, and this sparked the entire town to conversion, including the sorceress. Come on, Rose. She's awesome. She wanted to enter the poor Claire's, but get this, she was turned away because she was too poor and couldn't pay the dowry. She died in 1251 due to a rare syndrome that causes defects involving the diaphragm, abdominal wall, uh, the heart, and the lower sternum. Oh boy, we like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. God, our Father, for love of you, St. Rose gave up everything to devote herself to a life of penance. By the help of her prayers, may, may we imitate her selfless way of life on earth and enjoy the fullness of your blessings in heaven. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And now, you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter Therapy. John Paul gets us started. I've come to accept my anger arising from religious trauma, which I see as a form of PTSD. Many of the articles I've glanced at say both time and distance help with the recovery. The challenge I'm facing is, as a temporary professed lay Dominican, how can I do this? Various events trigger my trauma and it leaves me embarrassed and isolated. I want to stay in the church, but letting these hurts go is difficult. First, let's join together in prayer for John Paul and everyone who has experienced trauma for healing, peace, justice, and structural change in our church. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. I am so deeply sorry that you experienced trauma in our church. I pray that our church can become a welcoming place of healing that changes to ensure the safety of every single person and a church that listens to victims to help inform how these changes should happen. Second, it's such a wonderful blessing that you're moving through the formation process as a lay Dominican. That's just an awesome example of your spiritual progress, and we'll be praying for you uh, all the way on your journey. Of course, as you mentioned, it does make for some challenges because it draws you closer to the church, and because of your experience, that can be triggering. My most important piece of advice is to be kind to yourself. Pay attention when you might need to take a break or take some time away because of the triggers, and don't place judgment on that need. 
We so often hear that time can heal all wounds, but this is not only short-sighted advice because time doesn't heal all of our wounds, but it can also be painful advice because we can start to judge ourselves for still being on the journey and still having a difficult time, even though there's been some time since our traumatic experience. But we all go through our own journey through trauma, grief, pain, and suffering. And we can't compare our journey and our experience to others, or at the very least, we can't judge ourselves as not doing something right or not moving through the process fast enough. Lastly, don't get down on yourself for feeling like you want to isolate. It's an absolutely normal tendency to feel in this situation. And we can take some time uh, to give into that feeling. That's okay. And when we feel like we have a bit more reserve in the tank, we can push against it and try to engage more. Just remember to go easy on yourself and move forward at the pace that feels comfortable. God is patient and he understands. Anonymous is up next. All the Afghanistan news and the anniversary of 9-11 have been really hard on my dad, who has served in the Marine Corps for over 20 years. He feels like everything he fought for was for nothing now. I know other veterans are feeling the same way. Do you know of any resource for military members and any advice on processing that feeling of everything being for nothing? Let's start by joining in prayer together for everyone who has served in our country's military and their families for peace, for protection, and for God to draw close to them this very day. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. First off, please thank your dad for his service and everyone in your family because it does take an entire family sacrifice and we're so grateful and always will be. It breaks my heart to see so many people suffering from PTSD and other mental health issues after defending our country only to find the resources for addressing those needs to be lacking. It's a shame, quite frankly, and something we all need to be loud about until those in power move to make mental health resources available with ease for all of our veterans whenever they have a need even uh, a need such as this, working through the meaning of everything they've sacrificed in light of recent news and developments abroad. We're gonna look to the VA in central Arkansas for a little help with this question. Veterans who served in Afghanistan may be experiencing a range of challenging emotions related to the US withdrawal from the country and the unfolding events. Veterans who served during other conflicts may also be feeling strong emotions as they may be reminded of their own deployment experiences. Veterans may experience the following reactions related to the current events in Afghanistan, feeling frustrated, sad, helpless, distressed, worrying about Afghans who, were, who they worked with and who worked with the U.S. military like interpreters, experiencing an increase in mental health symptoms like symptoms of PTSD or depression, sleeping poorly, drinking more, using more drugs, trying to avoid all reminders or media or shy away from social situations, having more military and homecoming memories questioning the meaning of their service or whether it was worth the sacrifices they made. Veterans also may feel like they need, uh, they need to expect and or prepare for the worst and might become overly protective, vigilant, and guarded, become preoccupied by danger, feel a need to avoid being shocked by or unprepared for what may happen in the future. 
Feeling distress is a normal reaction to negative events, especially ones that feel personal. It can be helpful to let yourself experience those feelings rather than try to avoid them. Often these feelings will naturally run their course. If they continue without easing up or if you feel overwhelmed by them, the suggestions that will come next will be helpful. So back to me first, all of this is really helpful and goes a long way to show that many of us can feel different and experience different emotions when viewing and experiencing the same situation, right? We'll go back for some thoughts on effective ways to cope with all of this. So at this moment, it may seem like all is lost or like your service or sacrifices were for nothing. Consider the ways that your service made a difference, the impact it had on the lives of others and your own life. Remember that now is just one moment in time and that things will continue to change. It can be helpful to focus on the present and to engage in activities that are most meaningful and valuable to you. Is there something you can do today that is important to you? This can be as an individual, a family member, a parent, or a community member. Is there something meaningful regarding your work or your spirituality that can put addition that you can put additional energy into? These activities will not change the past or the things you can't control, but they can help uh, they can help life feel meaningful and reduce stress despite the things you cannot change. It can also help to consider your thinking. Ask yourself if your thoughts are helpful to you right now. Are there ways you can change your thinking to be more accurate and less distressing? For example, are you using extreme thinking where you see the situation as all bad or all good? If so, try and think in less extreme terms. Rather than thinking my service in Afghanistan was useless, consider instead I helped keep Afghanistan safe. Finally, consider more general coping strategies like engaging in positive, healthy activities that are rewarding, meaningful, or enjoyable. Even if you don't feel like it, they can make you feel better. Stay connected by spending time with people who give you a sense of security, calm, or happiness, or those who best understood what you're going through. Practice good self-care by engaging in activities such as listening to music, exercising, having practice with breathing routines, spending time in nature, or with animals, journaling, or reading. Stick to your routines and follow a schedule for when you sleep, eat, work, and do other day-to-day activities. And limit media exposure, especially if it's increasing your distress. So please let your dad know how much we appreciate him and that we'll be praying for him. Another anonymous wraps us up. How does the field of psychology define trauma? I have a daughter who is a trauma ICU nurse and sees way more weekly than most of us see in a lifetime. She's only 24, and I can see it starting to take a toll on her. I've mentioned to her that she may want to consider going to therapy again. She's been to a couple different therapists, and they both have said, wow, that's rough. But that's about all. Someone mentioned trying EMDR, but her thinking if it's going to continue, if she's going to continue to experience these same things, how would that help? She said that she feels numb much of the time, and any thoughts on how to find a therapist that can help her walk through some of these things would be appreciated. So let's start by joining in prayer for Anonymous's daughter and all of those who sacrifice so much to help those of us experiencing trauma for peace in their souls and assurance in their hearts that they are doing good with their lives. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. I just want to start by saying how amazing your daughter is for the incredible work that she's doing. 
And what a beautiful witness it is that you want to help her, know how it best to help her. It's just all so beautiful. So what your daughter is experiencing is something that we call vicarious traumatization. And we'll look to bma.org for some thoughts to get us started. Vicarious trauma is a process of change resulting from empathetic engagement with trauma survivors. Anyone who engages empathetically with survivors of traumatic incidents, torture, and material uh, relating to their trauma is potentially affected, including doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. Back to me. So vicarious trauma is quite real and poses a real risk to those of us who work with individuals experiencing trauma. So we really have to be on the lookout for signs that we're going through it. Back to BMA. If you are currently or have been recently working with survivors of traumatic incidents, you should be aware of the following signs. Experiencing lingering feelings of anger, rage, and sadness about the patient's experience. Becoming overly involved emotionally with the patient. Experiencing bystander guilt, shame, feelings of self-doubt. Being preoccupied with thoughts of patients outside of the work setting. Over-identification with the patient, like having uh, horror or rescue fantasies. Loss of hope, pessimism, cynicism. Distancing, numbing, detachment cutting patients off, staying busy, avoiding listening to the client's story or the patient's story or traumatic experience, difficulty in maintaining professional boundaries with the patient, such as overextending oneself. So back to me, you mentioned that numbness that your daughter feels, and that's a big flag that many working in a similar field go through. It's a natural defense. Our brains are trying to help us uh, by being numb to the pain, but in reality, it's hurting us and impacting us in other parts of our life not only our life away from work, but also impacting our mental health in general. So getting connected to a competent therapist who can work with vicarious traumatization is a good thing. You mentioned EMDR, and we've covered that treatment extensively on the podcast before, but it might be best for her to seek out a mental health provider who understands that that she's coming in to learn and develop ways to address the reaction uh, that she's experiencing in a healthy manner, not simply to be told, oh, she's so brave and wonderful for what she does. I mean, she is, but hearing that isn't what she needs in this moment to help her move toward wellness, right? So in the meantime, let's wrap up with some coping strategies from BMA that you can share with her. If you feel like you may be suffering from vicarious trauma, try the following coping strategies to reduce the risk. Increase your self-observation. Recognize and chart your signs of stress, vicarious trauma, and burnout. Take care of yourself emotionally, like engage in relaxing and self-soothing activities and nurture self-care. Look after your physical and mental well-being. Maintain a healthy work-life balance, like have some outside interests. Be realistic about what you can accomplish and avoid wishful thinking. Don't take on responsibility for your patient's well-being, but supply them with the tools to look after themselves. Take regular breaks. Take time off when you need to. Seek social support from colleagues and family members. Use a buddy system, particularly important for less experienced nurses or doctors. Use peer support and opportunities to debrief. Take up training opportunities, and if you need it, take up time-limited group or individual therapy. And back to me, the importance of getting connected to an individual therapist cannot be overstated, as they will be able to help us figure out Uh, what looking after our mental well-being means specifically for us, and what skills will help us address difficulties in our own emotions effectively. All right, we'll be praying for your daughter. 
Well, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in a future episode. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexy to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. You can also head on over to Ave Maria's website to pre-order the St. Dymphna's Playbook book that's due out in November. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna.